Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This week on Pod, like a raven, the summer months trickle on. We're, we're ready for NFL games, and yet we're still a few weeks away from training camp, but we're going to talk about the Ravens, we're going to talk about the NFL, we're going to look at some interesting early gambling lines this week on Pod Like a Raven. Thank you for joining us this week, it's a three-man booth again, we're back in rhythm, we're back on a roll with uh, a couple of things to talk about uh, in, in Ravenland. I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, starting on the East Coast with Tim Horsey. Tim, there's no NFL, so what are we, a minute in? Let's talk about baseball. Uh, you went to the O's game last night and uh, caught the, maybe the best game uh, of the season for them. Yeah, Tuesday night as of recording, actually. And uh, the, the 10-9, I believe, victory over the Texas Rangers uh, in our section. And uh, you know, as you can tell, on a Tuesday after the July 4th weekend, you know, Camden Yards was typically empty, a lot quieter even even by empty standards go. If you could feel a pin drop or hear a pin drop in there sometimes. But my girlfriend and I went, and she said she, she was like, this is insane, the amount of emotions that you went through in one game. I was like, this is sports. This is what happens in, in, in this game. But, yeah, it was awesome. The, the Orioles are fun. Now, they're not good, but they're fun, uh, which is the, the well, you know, first time we can say that in a very, very long time. So, yeah, I'm trying to quench the sports thirst with a little bit of the other side of Baltimore sports. Yeah, the ownership of the Orioles uh, is a mess. The front office is actively trying to lose games for as many years as possible, and yet this team doesn't care. They're they want to win, and they're having uh, they're having some fun these last few weeks, and uh, maybe won't lose a hundred games this year, which is uh, uh, a point I bring up because this is why we have a Ravens podcast, and this is why the three of us enjoy Baltimore football as opposed to Baltimore baseball. On the West Coast, Jace Evans, Jace, how's it going over there in uh, La La Land? It's going good, Antonio. Uh, yeah, just to touch on the O's for uh, half a second, because we never do. Uh, they're exactly where I want them to be, uh, like at all times in my life. You know, our formative years uh, was amidst their streak of 14 consecutive losing seasons. So I'm used to the losing. It's just I don't want to lose 110 games. Just give me that 75-87 record, some fun games, some fun players. Uh yeah, make it interesting. Give us fun games, fun moments, fun things to like on Instagram, players to connect to. Uh, yeah, the Ravens are what uh, we pin our championship hopes on. The, the Ravens are the team that we need to win. The O's just have fun with it. And uh, so this is exactly where I want the Orioles to be. I'll keep my, my championship dr- dreams to the Ravens. I have no, I harbor no World Series ambitions with the O's. It's a perfect Orioles season. And uh, yeah, and uh, especially this year, because for so many years of my life, baseball has just been just get me to football season. Uh, and uh, we're, we're closing in fast with a still rather competent Orioles team. So, yeah, perfect O season all around. And football, you know, it starts here. Uh, and I can forget about the Orioles entirely. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun summer. You mentioned that 
Orioles record of approximately 25 games under 500, and I literally got a tinge of nostalgia because it just reminded me of 1999 through 2009, where it seemed like every year that was the number of games under 500 they were. And that was baseball with Pod Like a Raven. So let's turn now to uh, to the Ravens and the NFL, and we're actually going to start with a pretty sad uh, opening segment, but it's something that we wanted to touch on, even though uh, it has been uh, exactly two weeks as of recording time, but uh, we recorded an episode two weeks ago, I believe on a Monday, and then the episode came out on Tuesday, and then the next day we were extremely saddened to hear uh, about the passing of Jalen Ferguson and Tony Saragusa on the same day. Um, two very like, like opposite people in terms of an NFL career. One young, hopeful, you know, was on his first few years in the league trying to blossom into an NFL starter. And the other one, a beloved former Raven, you know, a retired Raven who won a Super Bowl with this team. Uh, and it's just sad. It was sad that it was the same day. It was a very difficult week for uh, for the, the Baltimore, you know, the team as a franchise, having to having to deal with both situations. Uh, and I wanted to touch on it and give my two co-hosts an opportunity to talk about both of those players. One who I, you know, we literally grew up watching uh, when they had that first Super Bowl run and that dominant defense. And another one that we were excited about big things, maybe, uh, in... Um, in his fourth, I'm going to say that correctly, in his fourth season coming up with the Ravens, but um, wondered if you guys had any words on uh, on those two guys. It, it was just really devastating, and it, it was shocking. I, I woke up uh, early that day for me because I had to uh, get on a flight that day, and, but that news had already come out. I think the Ravens announced it at like 6 in the morning or something on the East Coast. Um and it's just really shocking. You know, Jalen Ferguson was a guy we talked about on the last episode of the show. We were talked about how he was uh, impressing people in training camp or uh, in uh, mini camps and OTAs and stuff. And, um, you know, he's younger than us. It's just it's a life lost far too young. Um, and it's just really sad. And, um, you know, you feel for his family he had some young children uh and it's really it's a bummer and then to have the like the goose thing on top of that i was at the airport uh when that broke i guess um because i had some flight problems as many people have uh, been having lately and uh so i was at the airport when that happened and it was just like man that's just tough it was it was a bummer and you mentioned goose obviously i mean on the sh- like not a hall of fame guy but on the short list of iconic players certainly in Ravens history and i think one of the early faces of a franchise um that didn't you know have an identity uh when they came to Baltimore he i think he he came to town around 1997ish uh very early uh, in, in the Ravens' time in Baltimore and so he he was just like an early face of the franchise um and obviously, as a player, sensational. But, you know, you saw his personality a lot on Hard Knocks and stuff when the prank wars him and Shannon Sharp engaged in. Uh, he just seemed to be a beloved guy uh, within the locker room and certainly by the fans. Um, and, you know, obviously he hasn't played for 20 years, but it's still, you know, 55, still far too young. Uh, and it's just sad for him and his family, um, his his loved ones. Um yeah, it was a bummer of a day. Uh, it doesn't get much much worse than that. Um, 
it, it was just pretty shocking all the way around and for both to happen on the same on the same the same day is just certainly probably the saddest day in Ravens history if I had to guess I can't imagine I, I, off the top of my head I can't even remember if they had an active former player who died while playing for the team but uh yeah so on top of that and then to lose a team legend in that afternoon it, it, was, it was just it was it was brutal it was tough yeah I mean I don't I don't need to rehash everything that Jace so eloquently put there um incredibly sad you know you take football out of this this is just two people that were gone way too young um you know and you know Jalen Ferguson three kids all of them under the age of five just tragic um you know Goose was the to take it from a football sense because you know obviously we didn't really know either of these guys personally we only knew them in, 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 in a football light Goose was that personality that kind of paved the way for that Ravens defense you know Ray Lewis was still young um they had some they had some cockiness and meanness to him and there was clips going around of Goose talking about that and he was kind of the catalyst for that and he is I will I in Raven circles I won't say underrated but maybe when people are like oh one of the greatest defenses of all time they look at the 2000 Ravens and maybe they kind of forget Tony Saragusa even though he was almost impossible to forget. Or they remember him, but not as much as they needed to. And, you know, hopefully, we talked about it before, they're going to do a 30 for 30 on that Ravens team. Um, let's, I, I hope, and I, I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, but I do hope that maybe some of that's already been filmed um, just to, to have kind of a lasting memory of Tony Saragusa that we can always go back to um, outside of all the stuff that already exists uh, because he's just such an important part. And then for Jalen... Ferguson I mean we talked about it it's just one of those things man so he died it's been it's been released he died from combined effects of fentanyl and cocaine and you look at it you know as Maryland fans obviously we're too young for this but the whole Len Bias tragedy with the cocaine overdose and stuff and it's just one of those things where you want to sit and just it the it makes you really sad because it's just one of those moments where you're like, this could have all been prevented if you were just a bit more careful. And, you know, I, I certainly don't go, you know, anywhere near any of any hard drugs like that. I know some people might or might not, whatever. I'm not really judging, but people, you, this is just one of those, another moment of you have to be careful with this stuff. You really do because it get it can all be gone and, and, and lives can be devastated in the blink of an eye. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, it's hard to talk about it from a football sense. Like I could sit here and say, well, everybody's reporting Ferguson is in the best shape of his life. And he looked like he might be a real contributor for the Ravens this year. Yada, yada. None of that matters um, now. Um, And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad and all prayers with both families. And and hopefully, you know, to, to take it glass half full, hopefully people, if anybody is whatever struggling with some sort of addiction or or being a bit reckless or whatever it is maybe this is a devastating moment might be able to save another life life or two and so that you know you kind of hope maybe that's what you can take out of this yeah provide a little bit of awareness to the dangers of, of those things uh all right so we're gonna try to turn away from that um and talk about Ravens training camp, which is upcoming uh, in a few weeks. We're going to be all 
all talking about that uh, when we when we next meet two weeks from now. The rookies report on July nineteenth. Veterans a week after that. So the first uh, full uh, full day of camp seemingly will be, will be July twenty seventh. Uh, and the first thing that we want to talk about is uh, something that I, th- I think Tim uh, wanted to discuss here, and it's. The Ravens last year had every injury imaginable during the offseason uh, over the summer, so they revamped their uh, approach to the practices, they uh, revamped their uh, you know, nutrition plans and their conditioning plans, and then they changed the schedule of their practices, uh, and I... <laughs> Tim, if you want to jump in here, or Jace, because I could say it, but I think it would kind of be funnier if you guys just attack this, because it seems like an odd choice to make when you're looking out for the health and safety of your players when it's 10,000 degrees. Yeah, uh, we all grew up in Maryland. We know that July, and especially August, is the absolute most horrid month of the year. It is obscenely hot, but somehow humid as well, uh, and every day feels like it's 95 degrees. Uh, It's just awful. And so the Ravens this year have decided to not start any practice until 1.30 p.m. Practices will all start between 1.30 at 2.30 p.m. per Jamison Hensley. Their first practice of the day, 2.35. I don't, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, a nutrition expert. I'm not a... a we've, uh, yeah, we've never, we've never thought that. Yeah, we've I'm, never not, I'm not a trainer. Worried. Uh, but if it was me, I would not practice during the hottest part of the day. That's just me. <laughs> it's, it's, it just seems so unnecessary. Maybe they're doing shorter practices, but... You know, and there's, I'm probably not, I don't know, not likely to lead to more injuries, I'm sure, if the, just the practices in general are shorter and you're doing different things. But it just seems odd to just purposely choose to start your practice at the hottest time of the, of the day, coming off a year where you had every injury in the world. It, it just seems unnecessary and strange, and I, I don't know how they arrived at. If, if you're a trading expert out there... <laughs> Please enlighten us. Let us know. Uh, it's just very bizarre. I don't understand. Um, yeah, it's just awful. That that time of day is when you don't want to be outside in Maryland. I you know I did. I wasn't competitive at all, but I did summer swim team, and our practices were like at eight in the morning because it wasn't hot out, or they were at five thirty at night because it wasn't that hot out. Uh, yeah, two thirty not when you want to be doing thug, things outside Maryland. I'm not one to be called an optimist <laughs> on most things. This is Tim talking, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if right. You guys are aware of this. But I don't have a problem with this. I, I don't think this is like if the Ravens are doing this. I think they know what they're doing. I think it's it's either they're going to scale back on, you know, the physicality, or Harbaugh really wants to whip these boys into shape. Which you know what, I'm all for because I'm a bit old school. Um, it's, it's something to do with, they, they're going to have extra training staff on. There'll be plenty of water breaks. This is a professional football team and it's not the Cleveland Browns. It's not, you know, the Carolina Panthers. I I don't, I have no idea why those two teams just came up. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. This team knows what they're doing and this doesn't really bother me at all. I did love, and, and, you know, granted, I will say it wasn't, a lot of it was tongue in cheek. I saw, you know, um, Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun as well was kind of doing the pray for journalists thing. The guys who have to be out at camp every day in, in their polos and, and khaki shorts <laughs> sweating because it's not 8 a.m. It's it's 1.30 to 2.30. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously he, he was being facetious a bit as well. But 
I, I don't know. I, I this doesn't really bother me. Now, you know, if we if we get it a couple weeks in and we're recording and it's like cramp, 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 not practicing, <laughs> cramp, not practicing, then I'm gonna be like, well, what the hell was this idea? But this is one of those things where it comes across Twitter. There's nothing to talk about. People don't realize the Orioles are you know fun yet or. <laughs> It, as in my case, the reason that I've been trying to go to more games is because the mass and streaming still requires a login for a cable or satellite provider, even though the whole point of streaming is to cut the cord so you can watch that. I can't get in. I can't watch any games on my TV, even though I'd actually like to turn this team on. Can't do it. Thanks, Angelos. Um, so they get on this. They focus on one little thing, and Ravens Twitter, as we know, blows up and has a, has a meltdown. Uh, so this doesn't bother me at all. They know what they're doing. We'll see what happens down the road. Uh, Tim, I was one of those guys who blew up and had a meltdown because yeah. I saw this on a day when there was nothing going on. And I exactly. said, what in, in tarnation? <laughs> Jace, may I recommend uh, PlayStation 5, you know, to do something else? The only, I mean, I am just, I'm so stretching here. The only thing I can think of is if you start the practice at the hottest time of the day, <laughs> When you're not as tired, by the time you are tired, it's no longer the hottest time of the day, as opposed to if your practice is at 9, and then you're going at 1 o'clock, and that's when the injuries happen, is when fatigue plus heat equals pulled hamstring, but that doesn't seem like it's a good enough reason, so we'll see. I'm sure John Harbaugh will be super transparent about it when he is uh, eventually asked. Later in the summer, <laughs> when the journalists that are all just drenched in sweat are asking him, why? Why are we here right now? But, yeah, so, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully we avoid players just fainting in the middle of the heat of 1, 2 p.m. in July. Speaking of injuries, that's the other thing we wanted to talk about. Because Harbaugh was asked, uh, I want to say about a week ago, about just general updates on basically all the injured stars on this team who had the season-ending injuries last season. Um, and I wanted to talk about that with you guys a little bit and get your uh, your thoughts on optimism or pessimism of who we see week one. Because he was basically asked, who do we expect of that core group of players to be there starting week one? And I'm talking about Marlon Humphrey, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Ronnie Stanley, and Marcus Peters. Uh, I think you could include Tyus Bowser in that uh, also if you wanted to, but those are the, the sort of the core players that are all questionable at this point in time for week one, except for maybe Marlon Humphrey because he was uh, at the voluntary workouts a couple of weeks ago, so you would think that he's in pretty good shape physically. But let's start with the running backs, guys. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, both with torn ACLs, both, uh, I want to say, late August early September um are they both in the lineup week one are neither of them in the lineup are they starting are they backups what are your thoughts on uh on their timetables for what we've seen from running backs what we've seen in the NFL these days and what we think of these uh two individuals and I don't, I don't want to blow up Antonio's segment here because he does such a good job preparing this show uh every time we record but my answer is going to be the same for all of these I want them on the field when they're ready I want nobody rushed back and the reason I say that is this. One, you start with the Jets. So, like, guys, <laughs> we should beat the Jets with Mike Davis in the backfield. We almost beat this defending Super Bowl champion with Tyler Huntley at the helm leading a bunch of ragtag guys late in the season last year. 
I think what the Ra- the Ravens did, particularly in these uh, three position groups you're talking about, you're talking about left tackle with Ronnie Stanley, you're talking about the running backs with Dobbins and uh, Gus Edwards, and you're talking about the cornerback with Marcus Peters. They filled depth roles at all of those positions. So let's look at this real quickly. We look at, you know, we'll just start with the running back so we can go later down the line. But Mike Davis, solid receiving option, has been a starter, has been a very good depth contributor throughout his time in the National Football League. Tyler Batty, Beatty, Batty, Jace, is it Beatty? Is it uh, Batty? I, th- I think it's Batty. Okay, we'll go with Batty. That's better anyway. Tyler Bad Boy. Yeah, Tyler Bad Boy. <laughs> He's a Batty. Uh, he apparently is impressed at camp and is another receiving option out of the backfield, what he did best in the SEC. Productive in the SEC. That's as close to the National Football League level as you're going to get in college. That sounds like a pretty good one-two punch for me for the first couple weeks of the season. Now, look, if we're at week four, five, and the guys are like 95%, yeah, put them on the field. I'm not saying like be super, super, super cautious, but I think the Ravens have done a very good job to protect themselves in case guys aren't ready uh, for week one. The only concern I have is when he did speak a while back, Harbaugh uh, kind of at least floated the idea that they wouldn't certainly be on the field to start training camp. And I'm glad you mentioned Mike Davis because I've been thinking about that more lately. And I I am less optimistic that we see either. Uh, I'm For some reason, I'm more optimistic about Gus. I don't know why. I think just stylistically. I don't know. But uh, even though he got injured later. That's just old school football thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm like, the, the big guy will be healthier sooner. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do have... I think I, I think of all the guys uh, in this group, I think these two are the ones I'm actually most concerned about just because of the nature of running back, um, the nature of running backs kind of, in theory, we saw this not be true last year, but if you have a good offensive line, which the Ravens did not last year, you should be able to get by with other running backs. So I, I'm kind of with Tim. I think, I think of all the guys, they might be slowest – with those guys, like, I think they need Marcus Peters back in, like, a big way. And I think, uh, in, a, in a way, they can probably afford to slow play less than the running backs. Um, I I hope they're there. You know, you'd think they'd be over a year by the time the season kicks off that they're, they're suited up. But I guess I won't be surprised if maybe they're not as hitting the ground running as maybe we thought. Like, if they, if they do... Uh, distribute the ball more between Batty and uh, Davis, who I'm just kind of assuming makes the team. He seems like a guy that's going to somehow end up on the 53. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 I could see them doing more of a just a timeshare than, than just a Gus and uh, JK kind of t- two-person team thing. I agree on the running backs. Uh, I Yeah, I would love Marcus Peters. The name that I stands out to me in this is Ronnie Stanley uh, because he didn't get hurt last year. He got hurt two years ago uh, and in theory has just a surgery and a rehab and an entire year to get back. So that's the name that is making me nervous, of course, as if we don't see him the first few weeks, even in July with the timetable that he's had, I'm going to get more and more nervous about his starting abilities uh, in the first quarter uh, of this season and, and maybe even more. Yeah, I want to jump in on that one too because the, the one as we're talking about this more, I think by in terms of 
my order of who I would want back week one if I could choose, it would be left tackle, corner, and then running back. Um, you know, look at a corner real quickly. Marcus Peters, as we said. Kyle Fuller came in. Now, he didn't have a great year last year. He is primarily an outside guy. He, he was not great in the slot. That's where he kind of struggled in Denver last season, as we talked about. He could come in and play on the outside for a couple of weeks against, you know, again, Braxton Berrios. I'm just going to just hammer the Jets until we lose to them 17-13 in week one. Uh, <laughs> they have options there as well. That The guys like Jalen Armour Davis, um, De- Demarion Williams, the two the rookies could get some spot time. Brandon Stevens can play at, as a slot corner role. Obviously, Marlon can bump inside. And then you have your three safeties. Mike McDonald can get really creative disguising coverages and just play a lot of Kyle Hamilton, a lot of Marcus Williams, and a lot of Chuck Clark together without Marcus Peters being there. The left tackle position, it, it's funny. It's, it's a two, it's a, you know, double-edged sword for me, I should say, where it's almost like we saw what happened last year when they rushed him back. So please, 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 please don't rush him back. But then you look at the depth chart. It looks like who's going to play there. You know, Jawan James, who another guy, we don't know if he's healthy or not. And then Morgan Moses, who is not a, a, a left tackle. He's a right tackle. And we saw what happened when you tried to switch positions last year with a left tackle going right, going the other way, and Alejandro Villanueva, who was just an unmitigated disaster, uh, trying to switch sides. So maybe Morgan Moses would be the same thing, which worries me. So the depth, although it is there uh, at that position, at the tackle position, more so than it was last year, I should say, still is scary. Think about if Stanley's out. You probably put Morgan Moses to left tackle and Patrick McCarry to right tackle is is maybe your contingency plan there. McCarry played really well at right tackle. Uh, Daniel Falele, the the tackle out of Minnesota, apparently, oh, yeah. he's been um, how you say overweight at at rookie camps and stuff. Apparently, he is not. He people are on on the inside, quote unquote. You know the reports that you get is that the Ravens are kind of concerned at how he came in, which you know as a rookie is not great. It, it's not looking like the Orlando Brown thing that we saw um, you know a couple seasons ago. That one does kind of worry me. We saw what happened when the Ravens lost their linchpin last year at the left tackle position. The, the offensive line was horrible, and and so even though there is are excuse me, there, even though there are more options there, it's still a bit concerning. And and I think for me, Tim, the other just concerning part um, on Stanley is is just like because his, the nature of his injury is like we mentioned, he injured it in 2020 <laughs> so like it, it, it was from trying to rush back and he said he doesn't he wasn't going to do that again harbaugh said in june ronnie's ankles looking great but you know we'll take that for what it's worth i guess but it's just because his like i think uh like like with jk and gus both knee injuries and you know, Harbaugh also said they're looking great, but then also said with knee injuries, you never really know. So, <laughs> so, so you got that kind of, he kind of was talking about both sides of his mouth with that, but at least we know that's knee injury. Same with Marcus Peters. That's a knee injury with Ronnie. It, it's, it, we know that's what the injury is, but it's just because it's, it's been two years of this and like, we don't know if he'll ever fully feel comfortable or, or be able to play on it. And, and there's just so many variables to, to the situation uh, that's unlike, I think, what everyone else is dealing with that I, I really don't know what to make of it on a every time we get an update. Like, until he's just back and playing, <laughs> that, that's uh, it, it's hard to, to make much of, of anything anyone kind of, you know, says about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, we'll see in in a couple of weeks, and then we'll see as they get into August and preseason. I I will say I don't expect any of those guys to play a snap of a preseason game uh, in August, which is fine, which is just fine as the Ravens try to extend <laughs> their preseason winning streak to like 85 or whatever it is at this point but uh, just before we 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 jump off uh antonio i did have one marcus peters quote that really cracked me up i saw in a piece jeff zarebic did kind of just updating people on the injuries uh uh peter said it in may i ain't even gonna lie putting a time frame is always going to be just people's words and stuff like that when marcus is ready to be on the playing field i'm going to be <laughs> So he went third person, uh, a little third person, first person, not even third, third. He, yeah, he changed it halfway. Didn't stick with it, but uh, I, I found that when Marcus is ready, I'm going to be to be one of my my, my favorite quotes. Or just a reminder that I love Marcus Peters, that he's one of my favorite players on the team. So I, I, I hope uh, I hope that is sooner than later for all our sake. Yeah, gotta get these gotta get these all pros, or I should say, Pro Bowlers. I'm not sure if uh, Peters got an All Pro. Gotta get these uh, these Pro Bowlers back in the lineup here for for 2022 all right that's it in terms of ravens news we're gonna jump to the random raven uh and then uh look at some some little future uh future gambling lines for the ravens in the afc north but first i'm up this week with uh, one of the more fun random ravens i have done in in quite a while so here we go this random raven played for the team for four seasons from 1999 to 2002 he was drafted in the third round by the raiders out of clemson in 1993 and played six seasons with them before signing with baltimore at clemson he was a two-sport athlete from 89 to 93 also competing in track and field in that sport he was a 14-time acc champion and a 10-time all-american as a sprinter in 1992, he was the 200-meter indoor NCAA national champion, and he also qualified as an alternate for the 1992 Olympics in the 4x100-meter relay. Not, He didn't end up running in the team. He only qualified as an alternate. That team had Carl Lewis, by the way, <laughs> uh, and they won the gold medal. So he was competing against a tough foursome to try to break into, but still qualified as an alternate for that 92 Olympic Games. For the Ravens, he played in 56 games, starting six, and he had 119 total tackles, four interceptions, five sacks, and was a prominent rotation player on the 2001 Super Bowl team, getting three tackles and a forced fumble in their win over the Giants. This random Raven wore the number 38, and I'm going to stop right there. So who is this random raven i really was looking into the raven stuff found the college stuff and it blew my mind that these guys are just they're so athletic and i it just it, it's almost bothersome i then read i mean i was going to get into it a little bit at the end of the episode but he's had a very successful post playing career uh, also so just one of those uh, <laughs> annoying really talented guys at everything <laughs> everything he did seemingly so that is the random raven uh, and I'll go over those clues again at the end of the episode. I'm not sure if my co-hosts have uh, have any sense right now. I might have to add some information later on. I have no clue. I have zero, zero clue. 
I, I was leaning one way, and, and then the number just, it, everything threw me off. <laughs> it's not Carl Lewis. Not Carl Lewis. Lewis. Not Michael Johnson. <laughs> yeah. uh. No, no. Uh, all right, well, I will go over that again at the end of the episode, but for now, you know, it's July, so why not look at some uh, some long odds for the Ravens and the AFC North? Obviously, as we get closer to the regular season, we will get a little bit more serious about our best bets, uh, our over-unders for the Ravens uh, and some other teams, and the Week 1 lines, obviously. But for now, while it's still early, while you know you can lock in some of these numbers before things change, if the Ravens maybe sign somebody or if another team... Uh, Let's just say it, the Cleveland Browns have some news on Deshaun Watson and exactly how many games he plays. It may be better to try to lock in some of this stuff now, so let's go over it. And we're going to start with win totals in the AFC North. The Ravens currently at 9.5, the Bengals at 9.5, the Steelers at 7.5, and the Browns not on the board. And the Browns are not on the board for win totals, at least where I, uh, where I look today. Because they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Um, Deshaun Watson, they're still sort of waiting to see the, uh, the the suspension given down by the NFL for that. He'll then appeal, and then you know we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is in line to be the starter uh, if Watson cannot go for a, uh, or cannot go if Watson is not allowed to go for a large portion of the season. But you know who isn't going to be the quarterback in Cleveland is Baker Mayfield, because as of an hour before we started recording, he was traded, or reports are that he was traded to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and I've said a lot, guys, now, but I'm going to turn to you. First, let's start with the Baker news. Uh, officially, not a Brown. Uh, I th- we should, let's just go to Tim here, because I feel <laughs> like this is a, a good time for him to talk about Cleveland's decisions. Um you had to do like a two-minute eulogy on Baker Mayfield uh, as, as a Brown as a Brown quarterback, what would uh, what would you say in terms of uh, how much he he made you feel bad or good? He doesn't deserve two minutes. <laughs> I don't have to think about that scumbag anymore, which is fine. Like it just. I woke up feeling dangerous when I heard the news that Baker Mayfield had been traded. Now it was funny. It. it it's been a couple hours as we record since the news came, and I was texting with a buddy of mine about it, and I really felt meh on it because of the Deshaun Watson angle. Um, I I was worried that the timing of this meant that, and you know, we could we could you could be listening to this on Thursday as it releases, and there's Deshaun Watson news that we don't know about. And my cynic brain, because you know that's one of the things I've been called a number of times when it comes to my sports teams, said that maybe the Browns know something. Maybe they know that Watson's only getting six games or eight games or whatever, and they finally said, okay, we can get rid of this headache that would be Baker starting for us because we can tolerate eight games of Jacoby Brissett. But then I remembered it's the Cleveland Browns, and they don't think about things like this. What they ended up getting, they had to, they're still paying most of Baker's contract in this deal. They right. own, they re- they're receiving a fourth and a fifth round pick in 2024. For the player that they picked number one overall just a few years ago, the Panthers had to give up more to trade up to get Matt Corral in this draft, who is now third quarterback on the depth chart, then the presumed starter, even though some people are saying, you should start Sam Darnold over Baker. Look, I don't like Baker very much. I think even that's an insult. 
<laughs> him going to a team that I find completely irrelevant, even though I know they're on the Ravens schedule this year, warms the cockles of my heart. Because guess what? Cam Newton was so good for so long. And you know who cared? Nobody! Because he was in Carolina. You know who's going to care when Baker throws three touchdowns and people are like, oh, maybe a little Baker's back. Nobody! Especially not me. God rest his soul. See you later. I'm done with this whole, you know, Baker's going to lead us to this promised land thing. Guess what? He failed miserably, and your team picked a um, questionable character over Baker Mayfield to lead the franchise going forward. Now, what does that say about the Browns rather than, you know, Baker Mayfield? You can take your pick. Uh, that's fine. They're, they're all miserable uh, in, in, from my stance anyway. But, yeah, maybe that was over two minutes. I apologize. But <laughs> it, it is, as a, a friend of mine said, and I, I, admittedly I disagree with him then, and now, now that we're talking about it here, my emotions have turned a little bit. I'm pretty happy that I never have to deal with Baker Mayfield in my life ever again. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, I think this whole saga reflects more poorly on the Browns in the end than 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 Baker. I, you know, Baker's an imperfect QB, certainly. Imperfect um, personality, jerk. Well, yeah, he's a words jerk. Words I can't say on this. Yeah, he's a jerk show. and he doesn't handle things well. But I do think the Browns kind of did, did him a little dirty in all this, I will say. Because, you know, he was, for what it's worth, the most competent guy they've had. Uh, at that position in decades. Certainly the only one who played, like, multiple years, it seems like. Uh, and and they kicked him to the curb for what it seemingly is becoming a more and more uncertain future. Um, certainly we've avoided talking about Deshaun Watson, I think, as long as humanly possible on this program. But uh, it does seem like a decision on his suspension will be coming down the pike here shortly. NFL's pushed for a year. Um, I believe the final written briefs, um, like summary arguments or whatever, is due on the 11th, I want to say. So in theory, we might have a decision by the next time we record. I'm shocked we don't have one at this point. Um, Jace, it was a July 4th Friday, July 4th weekend, the Friday of 5 o'clock news dump waiting to happen, and it just didn't. <laughs> I know, yeah. That, it's, it felt like we were shaping up for that, and it, and it, it came and went. Uh, and Watson has settled 20 of the 24 uh, suits against him currently, but there's obviously still the four suits, and you know, it gets complicated. NFL discipline's unrelated to the actual legal system in any way, so... <laughs> I don't know. It, it it does seem like, to circle back to Baker, it does seem like the Browns, uh, you know, sold their soul a bit to just make what is a definite upgrade, but one I think that will have long-lasting uh, implications on how the Browns, I think, are viewed uh, by fans, by other NFL teams, certainly giving Watson that guaranteed contract. And... Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel a little bad for Baker uh, that they kind of did all this without really, you know, for as many problems as they had, like, he seemed to create for them and to himself. I, I still think he, he kind of got a little screwed over in the end, but I think Carolina's a fine place for him. You know, he sh he should beat out Darnold. He's better than Sam Darnold. <laughs> um, and... You know, maybe not trying to carry, you know, you have to remember he came into a team that was 1-31 in 31 the prior two years when he got there. Uh, and he, he, I think, you know, he wasn't an insignificant piece of them kind of turning it around. I just think they were never winning a Super Bowl with him. But uh, 
you know, yeah, I, I, I do think how they jettisoned him reflects poorly on the Browns. And yeah, they're keeping over 10 million. They're paying over 10 million for him. I don't love Baker, but I think it's worth a flyer for the Panthers, even if they, you know, did draft Matt Corral and already have Sam Darnold also on a fifth-year option. <laughs> and whatever they're doing down in Carolina is a whole other matter. But are they trying to be Cleveland South in in <laughs> in, in competence levels? Is that is that what's uh, going on here? They're getting it's it's been a few quite a, a few well as you said irrelevant because no one's really paid attention. But they've been in the wilderness for 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 about four or five years now in Carolina, so. Yeah, long term, I think the Browns obviously benefit from moving on from Baker, but you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think they come out covered in glory from this whole off season. Certainly, it was odd because it seemed like for months it was Baker Mayfield is either going to Carolina or he's going to Seattle, and <laughs> then those were the two teams that really had uh, space, an opening, uh, and maybe the, the that weren't doing a complete rebuild and wouldn't want him anyway, but. He went to one of those teams, even though it took a long time for it to happen. And I think it's a not a bad opportunity for him, to be completely honest. Uh, in 2020, I just pulled it up. I was curious. He had 3,500 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. The following season, everything went down, basically. The completion percentage, the yards, the touchdowns, and then the interceptions went up. Was dealing with a shoulder injury for half of that season, three quarters of that season, in theory. You know, he had surgery this off. I believe he had surgery this off season to to address it. If he's healthy, then he should be a competent starting quarterback in the NFL. And wouldn't Carolina love that? Uh, <laughs> wouldn't they take that at at this point? Uh, I am dying to know if uh, if he is the starter by week eleven when Carolina rolls into Baltimore because it would be fun to have a Baker Mayfield in uh, in a Carolina uniform playing against the AFC North. Just the quickly, Baker. I will say on this, sorry, Jace, not to cut in. Week one, and this, this is why the NFL is king, Browns at Panthers. And <laughs> my God, I hope, like Jay said, he should win the job. Let's hope he wins this job, at least for the first week of the season, because that revenge tour will be so sweet because here's what's going to happen, right? Baker's going to come out opening drive. He's going to go lead him on like a 94-yard drive down the field, touchdown, and he's hooting and hollering, and he's pretending to plant the flag and all this crap. And then he'll throw uh, three game-breaking interceptions as the Carolina Panthers whimper out to a loss against the Browns. Yeah, he's going to get sacked 25 times behind the Panthers. Just awful offensive line. Yep, 100%. (laughs) No, I was just going to joke that, uh, yeah, the Panthers are going to come to Baltimore with uh, Baker Mayfield and whatever interim coach has replaced Matt Rule by that time. (laughs) All right, so then with the Browns' win total off the board, let's look at the other three teams in the AFC North and and see what we like here in terms of value, in terms of opportunity. Again, Ravens and Bengals at 9.5, Steelers at 7.5, uh, if you guys, if you had to bet all three of these, basically, if you're sprinkling, you know, twenty bucks on all three, uh, you going over or under with those with those three AFC North teams? Oh man, I'll go quickly. I'm going over on the Steelers. They haven't had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. I know it's all Roethlisberger era, but like, they have Najee Harris in the backfield to help with Kenny Pickett. They have weapons and they have a good defense. They're going to figure it out. I think that's an easy over for me, honestly. Um, the Ravens. We talked about this before. I think it was just Jason and I when we talked about uh, looking at the schedule early. I'll go over, but I'm going slight. I'm I'm the lowest on this team out of the three of us. I know. I'll go slight over, and then Bengals. 
simply for the fact that somebody's got to be under uh, if I'm doing two overs. I'm just – really, that's – that and the curse of the Super Bowl loser, which is a real thing. Sorry, it is. I'll just go under for the Bengals, even though I don't necessarily believe it. <laughs> that That's kind of where I, I – I, every year the over-under comes out, and I want to say over on the Ravens. And Vegas is very good at this because this is exactly – I think they end up in the 10 to 9 win range <laughs> this year. Uh, for the, a lot of the reasons we've talked about over the past few weeks on the show, the, the injury uncertainties, uh, just the uh, can anyone other than Rashad Bateman catch the ball that isn't Mark Andrews as well. Um, you know, these kind of issues. Uh, so I want to go over. I'm with Tim. Slam, slam the over on the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's going to get that team to the playoffs and everyone's, you know, going to be like, oh, you're – you know who's a good coach? That Mike Tomlin. And it's like, yeah, we, we know. Uh, the Bengals, it's weird because I think the Super Bowl run, so I feel split with the Bengals because I think the Super Bowl run and just their late season magic kind of hid the fact that they were, you know, they were only a 10-win team. The Bengals went 10-7 and last year. Um, had, a, had to have a lot go right to, to win the AFC North. Uh, and then proceeded to to just kind of um, scrape by uh, with three-point wins in the first three rounds of the playoffs before ba- almost winning the Super Bowl and coming, you know, one final drive short. But, you know, the Bengals aren't that far removed from losing that game to the Raiders in the first round. The, like, if Tannehill doesn't implode and throw three interceptions, they don't beat the Titans. If... The Chiefs don't implode with whatever. If that the Chiefs time. come out of the locker room at in the second half, yeah, and, and deci- yeah, if the Chiefs decide to play at all in the second half instead of blow their twenty-one to three lead or whatever they had, um, the Bengals aren't in the Super Bowl. So I, I think the Bengals actually have improved over last season, and I can see this season ending up being a quote disappointment for them. Uh, because I think they do have this pressure on them. But I do think the Bengals got better. They certainly addressed their offensive line in a meaningful way. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm still not sold on Zach Taylor as a coach, <laughs> even though he reached the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I guess I'm with Tim. If I'm going to go under, I might go under on them, because I think, I think of all the teams in the division, they have the most chance to disappoint. But um, it'll be, like, by half a win. Like, it'll be, they you know, they hit under because they win nine games. They go nine and eight. Uh, I, I, I think the Bengals are a good team. Uh, I just think they might have a little more pressure on them than, uh, than maybe they should, given what they actually were uh, last season, which is a good team that kind of fluked their way to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll cautiously say over for the Ravens, definitely over for the Steelers, uh, and under for the Bengals as well. Yeah, the Bengals no longer like the fun plucky upstart they're now the team where every week they're the afc champs uh going against teams in the afc at least that want to knock them off their perch i agree with a lot of this uh i'm gonna go over with the steelers and i'm gonna talk about that some more in the next uh, segment (laughs) the bengals slightly under the nine and a half wins even if i couldn't explain it i would say the bengals under nine and a half because that super bowl loss is just a weird thing that happens every single year and then the Ravens, uh, come on, guys, 12-5, and 11-6, <laughs> it's a playoff team, uh, and they're going to they're gonna pass that 9.5 win. So I would go confidently with the over 9.5, because you are basically betting that Lamar Jackson plays. That's it. <laughs> if he plays, 
his statistics now in terms of win-loss record over four-plus se- four seasons, they will get, get double-digit wins. If he's hurt, then they probably will not. Uh, and I'm going to bet that he plays, what, 12, 13, <laughs> 13 <laughs> games or more this next season? Uh, and that's going to be enough for them to go over. As for the odds on winning the AFC North, this is where things to me get very interesting. The uh, Baltimore Ravens are favorites to win the AFC North at plus 150. Uh, The Bengals are next at plus 185. These numbers for the neophyte gambler means that if you bet $100 on the Ravens, you would win 150. So the Bengals are plus 185. The Browns are plus 300, which is like the definition of we have no idea where this team is going to be. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers are plus 850 to win the AFC North. And I am almost definitely going to sprinkle a little something on the Pittsburgh Steelers, as much as it pains me, as much as I hate it. This team went to the playoffs <laughs> last year and probably prob- got better at quarterback by getting a human being who can throw the ball 20 yards downfield on a line uh, and who can m- sidestep at least a little bit in the pocket, and who probably doesn't have a dozen injuries that we don't really know about in terms of soreness and arthritis and that old back acting up again, which is what happens when you're in your late 30s, and that was what happened with Ben Roethlisberger. Their defense is the same as last year, if not better. Uh, Cameron Hayward's still there. TJ Watt's still there. Devin Bush added Miles Jack. Minka Fitzpatrick got signed to a deal. Their wide receivers are very strong. Najee Harris is going to have a good year two uh, as you know as a dominant running back. And plus eight fifty is insane to me as a number. These teams are all going to beat up on each other when they're all pretty good. They all you know you split a little bit here or there. They could win this division in theory. I know I just talked up the Ravens, but if these four teams beat up on each other, this is a situation where Pittsburgh could win it with ten games. They could go ten and seven and win a tiebreaker over one of the other teams at 10-7, and seven, and then there's like an 8-9 and nine and a 9-8. and eight. You know, they're all bunched up. And that's crazy value. So I am intrigued by this. I love that the Ravens are favorited at the favorite to win the AFC North because I like Vegas's confidence in knowing exactly what happens. But <laughs> at plus 850, if Trubisky is, is average, it's a possibility that they win the North if... Kenny Pickett comes in and is like, you know, a little flashy, a little, little third and seven takes off, scrambles and gets first downs, and they score some points. It's a fascinating bet to me, and I'm going to look at it all summer uh, and be upset that I've put money on the Pittsburgh Steelers to be successful. Uh, what do you guys think about the AFC North? Yeah, I'll just go quickly here because, Antonio, you know, it's not as fun that we agree wholeheartedly, <laughs> but I agree wholeheartedly. I don't really like any of the Ravens being favorites, I think, is ridiculous. Um, just there's too much uncertainty. I think the national media just assumes everyone's going to be back. And we just spent a good amount of time earlier in this podcast saying everyone might not be back. Uh, so I, I'm just plus 150 just seems insane to me. Um, if I'm sprinkling any, it's on, I would probably avoid any of these. Cause I don't think the Steelers can win the division as much as, you know, a lot of Steelers praise right now. Sorry, listeners. Um, but <laughs> I'd that, that, is the only number that has any value to me whatsoever. Unless, unless, and call it cynical and that's fine, you think that the 
NFL is going to be the NFL and not give the Deshaun or Deshaun Watson the, uh, the suspension, excuse me, that he deserves, then maybe sprinkle a little bit on the Browns if you expect him to come back and play well. Um, let's hope the NFL does the right thing. This is not even a Ravens thing. This is as a, as a human being um, hoping that he gets what he deserves. It's probably strong, but you know what I mean. Uh, but if but if you think the NFL is going to NFL it, maybe plus 300 for them. But, yeah, plus 150 or plus 185 for the Ravens and Bengals, respectively, is just the odds are too short there uh, for me. The Steelers being so far behind the Browns is, I think, the really – especially surprising thing. Like you said, this is a, a team that made the playoffs last year. Uh, they made a bunch of offensive line adjustments as well. Um, and I think you mentioned it, Antonio, but if just to repeat again, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. And I don't like, why would that start now? It's the same, pretty much the same core. Like you said, with perhaps a better quarterback situation. Uh, if, if Ravens fans need reminding the Ravens have not beaten the Steelers since 2019. So, uh, that's, I guess, another reason to perhaps uh, like the Steelers' chances, if that's where you're leaning. They should definitely be favored more than the Browns, I think. I'd love the Bengals to be favored over the Ravens, just because I love the Ravens to operate from a position of slight underdog status. If we were the second favorite to win the division, I'd be so confident in the Ravens uh, winning the AFC North. I know this is dumb guy logic. I know this isn't how anything works. But it's how I feel, and I can't help how I feel. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know what I just said. I probably, uh, I think literally, you know, 10 minutes ago, I said I'd take the Bengals under. But I would love for them to be favored heading into this year. This is why Vegas knows, as you said, Antonio, Vegas knows what they're doing because they they don't buy into the hype that everyone will have on the Bengals. They see what they probably view as a fluke Super Bowl run and say we could get a bunch of saps to bet this as – you know, longer odds, and then just pocket all their money. Uh, so, But, yeah, from a fan perspective, I would love – we've talked about this a lot. I'd love every game at 1 p.m., and I'd love the Ravens to be underdogs in every single one of them. So I don't love that the Ravens are favored to win the division, but uh, I understand why they are installed there. Well, then, Jace, boy, if you like – if you want the Ravens to be underdogs, I'm going to come right back to you for this one. I've got a perfect situation for you. AFC champion odds, the Ravens are sixth favorites <laughs> – at plus 1100, the Bills favorites at plus 325, then the Chiefs at plus 450, the Chargers at plus 850, Broncos at plus 850, who have Russell Wilson. I texted the, the fellas today that I just remembered that they have <laughs> Russell Wilson uh, as their quarterback. Then Cleveland Browns are plus 1000, and then the Bengals and Ravens tied at plus 1100 to win the AFC. So, J- so therefore, Jace, you're uh. You're doing somersaults at the Ravens. You got the bulletin board material that they're not even on the podium of AFC uh, champion favorites. And, and I love this number, Antonio. I, <laughs> this is this is how my brain works. It's so stupid, but uh, I, I love because they're like it, it's just it's strange too because you're like they're favored to win one of the four divisions, and yet they have like. You know, the six longest odds when they're guaranteed at least one playoff game or whatever uh, in this scenario that Vegas has concocted. Um, that's interesting. Well, Jace, let me Jace, let me stop you right there because that's something I do want to touch on a little bit because it's interesting. Yes, the Browns are plus 1,000 ahead of the Ravens and Bengals to win the AFC, but the Browns are plus 300 to win the AFC North. They're third favorites to win the AFC North. So Vegas... Unfortunately for us, I think, envisions Deshaun Watson not being out the entire season, 
being out maybe half the season, maybe six games, the Browns start slow. That's why they don't win the AFC North. But once they get to the postseason, uh, they are actually favored more than the Bengals and Ravens to then win the AFC if they get in. So that's just, wanted to point that out. I think my co-hosts are both aware of this, but wanted to point that out for the listener as another bummer uh, in an episode full of bummers that Vegas tends to see this as not a full season suspension and that if the Browns can get that ticket in to the postseason, then they can make a run. So sorry, keep going then with the with the Ravens at plus eleven hundred. No, that's it's definitely interesting from that. Um, yeah, I, I I the one team obviously you have three of the four uh, AFC West teams uh, make this list. Uh, I understand the Chiefs. Um, I sort of understand the Chargers, though I really like their moves, though I find it interesting that a team that has not made the playoffs with Justin Herbert is, you know, one of the top four Super Bowl odds, um, or top three Super Bowl odds. I'm also intrigued by the Broncos. You mentioned they have Russell Wilson, but I don't know if I am on the train, the Broncos train with everyone else. Uh, I don't get why they would be better than the Raiders. A team that made the playoffs last year. Uh, <laughs> I, I I understand Russell Wilson's a, a huge upgrade, but I don't know that I trust, you know, a first-year coach and a Broncos roster that's roster that's good, but perhaps not, you know, the greatest in the NFL. I just don't know that I buy them instantly being a Super Bowl contender, especially when, you know, the Chiefs, presumably, if they win that division, have the inside track. So I do find it interesting, and I guess it speaks to the, just the beating up the AFC North teams beating up on each other that we were just talking about, that all the AFC North squads end up behind the AFC uh, West squads, um, even though presumably the same exact thing should happen in that division if you expect all them to be good teams. You know, they should be beating each other, and their records might not be as high. Um, so that's interesting, too. Um, and then, yeah, Bills at one makes sense. <laughs> they, have the, they have the path to the one seed. They have pretty much the same team they had last year that probably should have gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's the one other thing that stood out to me is just all the AFC North teams being behind the AFC West teams, even though I don't know that there's as big a gap as people seem to perceive between the two divisions. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting, Jace. Yeah, the, the beating up on each other argument there. You know, the AFC West is better than the AFC North, so why are all their odds better unless you think you're just going to put them all there because one team might emerge above the rest, obviously. Uh, the Ravens is good value here. This is where I think there is value with the Ravens. I, you know, again, I'm lower on the Ravens than most. Um, <laughs> I'm with you on the Broncos, and I'm with you on this, Jace. I've been screwed over by the Broncos the last two or three <laughs> years on this podcast, and I'm just saying, the team is great, and now they like if they could just get mediocre quarterback play, they'll be great. Well... They even got some mediocre quarterback play, and they weren't great. Now you give an aging Russell Wilson, who, by the way, wasn't good last year. I know it was a bad Seahawks team, but you just expect him to be the savior? Maybe he is. They've got a ton of weapons. I love the weapons that the Broncos have, but I've sold my stock, and maybe it's one of those where I'm selling it a bit too early. Uh, maybe I should hop on now, but a bit too rich for my blood, as they say. Um, I, I'm with you on the Bills. They're probably the favorite, even though I would put the Chiefs probably a little bit closer to them, plus 325 and plus 450. It seems like there's a bit of a gap. This Tyreek Hill thing, guys, it's Andy Reid. He's going to figure it out, and Patrick Mahomes is going to figure it out. So I don't I, – and they spent 
a ton of draft capital on guys like George Karloftis and Trent McDuffie, like good, solid players to improve that defense. I think that Chiefs team should feel a bit disrespected by that number that is uh, farther away than I think it should be. Um, and then the Chargers. No. <laughs> Not buying the Chargers. And this is pure this is pure watching football bias. The Chargers over generations love to shoot themselves in the foot. Philip Rivers, Ladanian Tomlinson, the Drew Brees, Ladanian Tomlinson era. Marty Schottenheimer, I believe, was well, he was the coach for that team, I believe. Uh, Brandon Staley trying to be smarter than everybody, going for it at his own 20 on fourth and six because the numbers tell him so. I, I get Justin Herbert. I get the talent. I see it. The Chargers screw up talent more than the Browns do most of the time. Well, that might be a little harsh, but you get it. It's a, it's kind of on the same level. I'm not buying the Chargers at plus 850, third favorites in uh, in the AFC. I just can't do it because of what we've seen. We haven't seen them. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. We They lost their opportunity to make the playoffs last season on some bonehead calls. The Chargers are going to charge her, and until I prove other – it's one of those where, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to hop on late. You know, it's like people – this is not an original take, but it's like people saying, oh, this might be the year that LeBron's not very good. Like, you know, I'm going to keep betting on him being pretty good until he's not. And I'm wrong the one year, that's fine. With the Chargers, it's the opposite. I'm not taking the flyer until I see it from them because they have just screwed it up so, so badly over and over again. And the last one here, it's the big one. And there's only one team to talk about. It's Super Bowl – Champion odds, Baltimore Ravens at plus 2,200. You bet $100. You win $2,200. But they have to get to it, and they have to win. Guys, we got a healthy Lamar Jackson, 17 games. That means the Ravens are a postseason team. You get a ticket. Anybody can go. Just look at the Bengals. Then you get to that game, and Lamar shines on the biggest stage. And you are Super Bowl champions before you have to pay him boatloads of money and can't afford to have anybody else on the team. The stars are aligning. The odds are still good. Ravens, uh, Super Bowl champs, plus 2,200. It's simple. We, we've solved it. I mean, I love that number. The only – and I – if you're picking the Ravens to get out of the AFC, which I think we all agree is the stronger conference, I like their odds of then subsequently winning the Super Bowl if they win the AFC. The downside is – Am I envisioning a scenario where the Ravens finally get back to the Super Bowl 10 long years later and they just uh, lose to Tom Brady for his eighth Super Bowl championship? Oh, I may why? have thought about it once or twice, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's chances are you, in that game you're you're facing the Bucks, the Rams, uh, or the Packers, probably. They're the three NFC favorites, I'm assuming. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I could see the Ravens losing that game, <laughs> certainly. Uh, good luck to Tyler Linderbaum if he's blocking Aaron Donald. But, uh, you know, I I still like, like, if you're going to bet Ravens to win the AFC, you might as well go all the way and do a Super Bowl bet as well. Love that point. I think that's the strong point. If you think there's value in the AFC, then, yeah, take it um, because it is the stronger conference. Love that point. I'm, I'm not even going to address your Tom Brady point because that's heresy. <laughs> Um, the only the only other reason I take this is it's a homer bet. You know, I, I we were we have recapped this. We were all in Las Vegas uh, for the opening of the season. Obviously, didn't go our way, but I'm sure the two of you, as did I, put a you know sizable for myself bet on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl because it's what you do. 
uh, for your own team. And that's the only reason I'd do this because, again, I, I just I, I don't see it this year. We will see. That's all we have, really, guys, to talk about. It's July. You know, we'll have more as uh, as the Raven players start actually moving their bodies around on the field, and we have <laughs> X's and O's things to talk about. I'm going to go over the random Raven one more time, and then we're going to close this episode out. So, this random Raven played for the team for four seasons from 1999 to 2002. He was drafted in the third round by the Raiders out of Clemson in 1993 and played six seasons with them before signing with Baltimore. At Clemson, he was a two-sport athlete. This isn't really information that I thought was going to help my co-host necessarily. Oh, it, it doesn't. Trust me. But it was fascinating. I did, couldn't believe it. Uh, two-sport athlete from 89 to 93, competing in track and field. In that sport, he was a 14-time ACC champion and a 10-time All-American as a sprinter. In 1992, he was the 200-meter indoor NCAA national champion, and he also qualified as an alternate for the 1992 Olympics in the 4-by-100-meter relay, which the U.S. team eventually won gold in. For the Ravens, he played in 56 games, starting 6, and he had 119 total tackles, 4 interceptions, 5 sacks, and was a prominent rotation player on the 2001 Super Bowl team. He had three tackles and a forced fumble against the Giants. Then again, who didn't have a turnover uh, right. in that for that defense in the Giants Super Bowl? Uh, and he wore number thirty-eight. Who is this random Raven? I think you will both know the name. It was not like uh, well, who the who the heck was that guy when I was looking through the names? I, I mean, yeah, like four years. Guy who, guy who had a turnover in the Super Bowl. I should know this. Uh, it makes so much sense. I didn't even piece it together that the track star was drafted by Al Davis. Uh, it, it, <laughs> nice. Um, That's true. Uh, but who is that track star? That is where I am having issues. Clemson track star 38. See, I wanted to say Kim Herring, but it's not Kim That's Herring. That's what I was also thinking. And, and, we've, also, I- and we've also done Kim Herring. It's annoying because I can name the starting defense for the 2000 Ravens, but he's definitely like a third corner, and I just, you know, that that has gone out of my head. Um, Antonio, because clearly we're both stumped. And Jace, let me confer with you first. I'm going to ask for a first letter, but would you like it for the first name or the last name? I feel like last name. You tell me. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was saying. Sorry, I was conferring with Jace. Jace wants last name. Let's go first letter, last name, Mr. Barbera. Uh, T. T is in Trackstar. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, is it like Anthony Thompson? Is I was going to say like Brendan, <laughs> Brendan Trawick, but that was way later. <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 I'm out. I, I can't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm stumped, stumped on this one. Here. This random raven was James Trapp. Number oh, of course. Four. The Baltimore wow. Ravens. I know it now. I would have never gotten there. Would have never gotten there. The number just really threw me. This is this is like Chad Williams 2.0 for me. A guy I like should have known. Well, I remember James Trapp. I just didn't. I guess I just didn't remember. Uh, you know his number. <laughs> 38's a bizarre. A bizarre. Talk about bad numbers in Ravens font. 38. That's got to be a weird looking one. Uh, yeah, but he had that, it didn't look bad, Jace. He had the, like, the classic numbering that the Ravens used Mm. to have on some of the older jerseys. Uh, but yeah, played 
11 seasons. Left the Ravens in 2002, went to Jacksonville, played in five games for them, and then retired, and then had, like, an executive position with the NFL. He's, like, got his own business. It's just, whatever, James, all right? Like... You're you're probably not good at tic tac toe, so there you go. There's one thing <laughs> there, that you there's a photo, succeeded in. A photo of him standing at the Super Bowl between uh, Ray Lewis and Shannon Sharp. So <laughs> crucial piece. <laughs> uh, in researching this random Raven, I sort of stumbled upon. There's the full game on YouTube. There's the full Super Bowl game, uh, and it's just fun to go back and watch Ray Lewis. There's like 18 fights in that game, also, <laughs> which is good. I didn't remember that. Uh, Ray Lewis is f- quite literally flying uh, all around the field. And Tony Saragusa is obviously on that team, making plays, winning a Super Bowl. Uh, so a fun memory to go back to, to watch that that Super Bowl team. Um, yeah, James Trapp, the random Raven for this, uh, this week. And that's going to do it for us. We're going to come back in two weeks to probably do some sort of preview uh, on training camp and who's going to win the James Prochet award for for training camp as we did our <laughs> earlier for the voluntary uh, activities and that's it for us for tim horsey and jay seven i am antonio barbera thank you for listening to us as always we will see you in two weeks When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.